Alrighty. So if you're here for the first time, welcome to this teaching equipping night on the evangelistic gift, the gift of the evangelist. And I guess the impact that this gift is to have in us and through us. And I want to start by um, just maybe getting some feedback. Okay, let's bring it in. <laughs> um, I just want to get some feedback as to what you heard last Sunday. So a couple of people, maybe one male, one female, want to come and share just what grabbed your attention about what was shared last week, either from the primary purpose of the evangelist is to build and equip, or anything from how Philip was led by the Spirit in reaching the Ethiopian. So those were the two things we talked about. Everyone's scrambling for their notes. <laughs> See, if you don't volunteer, I have to pick someone. <laughs> then it gets awkward. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So is it one or the other or both? Okay. Um, I'm just trying to remember. Um, one of the things that grabbed me was with um, the kind of the steps that you were talking about with Philip and um, his, um, the story with him being the evangelist was... It was, um, it's quite relationally focused that it's really about having a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading us and how we relate to that person and respecting their boundaries um, on what they're comfortable with. And it really requires a relationship with the Lord as well as with that person. So, um, and it's about his agendas for that person, not necessarily our agendas. Yeah, so... I could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, that was cool. Everyone's just writing down what you said now. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, the ladies have spoken. And they spoke well. Come on, men. This is why Eve got in trouble. <laughs> Good man. Um, it's probably from the first two weeks. It's around the people, not the problem, is what has really spoken to me. Um, really, is is um, we all see the problem. It's, it's created great conversations with Harry and um, things, but as I'm telling Harry about it, I've also seen it in myself. So, um, yeah. All righty. Okay, well, um, just in your notes, next week Ian will be here, a guy with a massive gift of evangelism on his life so it's gonna be cool and Ian's back now in New Zealand so we'll be seeing more more of him uh, as we go forward in the future as we just continue to build relationally with Ian um, as a church I know Ian quite well but um, 
I'm just really excited about that. And, um, and as this gift is raised up in our house, we can have someone like Ian come in and just minister and just be part of our building process. But just in your notes, if we can look at evangelism as drawing people closer to God, drawing people closer to God, as opposed to an event... If we can look at evangelism as drawing people closer to God as opposed to an event, I believe more people would engage in it. Now, it doesn't mean when someone commits their life to Christ, that's not a moment. That, that is an event, isn't it? That's a change of history right there. Someone's history, someone's life is about to change for the better. So there isn't an event that's just happened. But if we can see it as a whole, as a process of drawing someone to God, which means the pressure now comes off me to have to get that person somewhere and onto him. What it comes about is me being obedient to what he's asking me to do in that process, like Linda said. So as I'm drawing close to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will guide me in the process. And it may just be in that process that I happen to turn up and lead someone to Christ because of all the other people that have been in that process, all the other words that have gone, all the other acts of kindness and service that have gone into that. It just happens to be me or you on the journey that turns up and someone you're leading to Christ, which is amazing and cool. But if we can see it as a process, not an event, primarily I believe we'll enter into it more because it just takes the pressure off. Spirit of God, what am I to do? I want you to go and just be with that person. I want you to hold them. But if I think, no, no, I've got to say this and I've got to say this, you miss it. Yeah? And so I hope that's what we're catching more and more as we go forward and that we'll engage in it more. Just in your notes, we are to walk with people to Jesus. We are to walk with people to Jesus, to Christ, and then walk with people and Jesus. So there's your evangelism slash discipleship process. Evangelism, let's walk with people to Christ. Let's engage with people that know that we know that don't know Christ, engage with them and share with them, love on them, lead them to Christ, and then they come to Christ, let's walk with people and Christ. There's discipleship. So then we invite those people into the process of our family. It's a beautiful thing and it's all relational. Just come with me to 2 Corinthians 5.14. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Just going to read a passage. This is a real cool passage here. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ controls us. That's powerful words, isn't it? To be controlled by the love of God. Every decision, every thought, every action. To be guided by the love of God. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that 
one died for all. Therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So he died for us that we would no longer live for ourselves. That we would walk with him in relationship and with him see his kingdom unfold. That's everyone's mission. Every follower of Christ is to no longer live for yourself, but to walk with God and to see his kingdom established on the earth. We all say, what's my purpose? What's my plan? That's it right there. And as that happens, we become transformed, don't we? We're becoming the bride of Christ. We're being made ready as we go through that process. Paul knew it, hence he wrote about it over and over and over and over. I wonder what it looked like if the church no longer lived for itself. Jesus didn't live for himself, and he's the example for his followers, isn't he? Sons that look like sons. What would it look like if you and I no longer lived for you? We'd be dangerous, eh? That's the challenge though, isn't it? The first thought's not, what about me? It's what about him and what about my brothers and sisters? And what about those that don't know him? And in that, find this incredible life because I've discovered that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And as you give, you receive, but you don't give to receive. But as that becomes your culture, all of a sudden you're exalted above the earth. You're exalted and set free from all the flesh and all its ways. And all of a sudden you can live a life that's unhindered. Incredible. Paul knew it. Therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. I love this. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Talk about sight and seeing as he sees and believing all things that I'm not going to look at man as, as man is, I'm going to look as a new creation and believe and hope that man will live out who he is. Because if man captures who he is in Christ, meaning man and woman, and live from that new place, that new created order, one will no longer live for themselves. It all flows. It's like a line upon a line upon a line. If you truly know who you are in God, you won't live for you because your new sense of identity overpowers the old and it just becomes natural to live for him. It's cool, eh? This is what the word does. See, the word does all the work. If you receive the word, the word does the work. I don't have to try and do it. I can't do it. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So we have been reconciled to Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Say that I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now say, we have been given reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. 
and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Did you know that? Do you know that's part of your job description? As a follower, you've been given the ministry of reconciling people back to himself. And we're about to read the word next word is ambassadors, as Christ was making his appeal through the church. That's what he does. He makes his appeal through his people. People say, oh, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Bible tells you. He's telling you right here. So part of it is you've been given a ministry called reconciling those that don't know God because God was not holding their trespass. Aren't you so glad he doesn't hold your trespass against you? It's amazing, isn't he? But it's also not just for us. It's for everybody. So God is not holding his wrath. He's holding his wrath. We're in a time of grace. There will come a time when his wrath will be poured out, but he's holding back his wrath so as many people that he knows are in his heart are going to get saved, he's giving us the opportunity to be part of his process. But if we live for ourselves and we think of ourselves, we'll probably never fully engage in the process because we start counting the cost like, what does that mean for me? It's going to require something. He says, yep, but I've given you something. It's going to require a lot, but I've given a lot. And more that you would discover that you're a new creation in me. I no longer hold and I'm moving forward to move forward with you. That you would understand truly why I created you and the purpose I have for you. Which is what he's doing. That's what this morning was about as well. God is bringing to light the mysteries of himself, the fullness of himself. It's so much more than just getting justified. It's about being perfected in righteousness so you can walk on earth like Jesus walked this planet. Yes, he was fully God, but he lived as a man. We've been called to overcome. The overcomer's inheritance. Let me send you a letter. Jesus sends a letter, doesn't he, to the churches? Seven churches, he personally writes to them, those who overcome, those who overcome, I will grant you, 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 I will grant you. A personal letter from Jesus himself to the churches, from his heart to ours. I overcame that you would overcome. It's, oh, it's awesome. So I want to talk about golfing with Jesus. Yep. Anyone here like golf? All right. Hopefully you'll love it after tonight. And I forgot to bring my golf clubs. Duh. Um, so that was going to go down really well because I was going to show you. If you didn't know what a driver was, I was going to lift up a driver. If you didn't know what a long iron was, I was going to link up a long iron. If you don't know what a putter is, then you're really lost. So there. <laughs> but um, I'm going to start with a joke first. Because Noah, Jesus, and God were out. Noah, Noah and Jesus, sorry, and this old guy were out playing golf one day. And uh, Noah steps up to the to the the, uh, the tee. He puts his ball down. He tees it up, and uh, it's quite a long hole. It's probably about a 485 meter par four. And uh, he pulls out his one driver. It's the club with this big head on it. 
lines up smack and it's this beautiful draw it's where the ball starts off to the because he's a right hander starts off to the right comes back the ball's spinning so when it hits the ground and spinning it kicks on and it goes even further and he's sort of pretty proud of himself and it runs up and it's sort of just on the green just just as it hits the green i mean it's a massive shot it's 485 meters clean hit he's pretty proud of himself and he puts his club back in his bag he looks at jesus and the old guy and says beat that so anyway jesus walks up he says oh yeah 485 five iron so he pulls out a five iron which is half the club of the driver okay smack this thing is going it's got this beautiful draw on it and it's just flying through the air and and um noah's like oh man hits the ground rolls 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 up and it's about two meters away from the hole he looks at noah and goes beat that mate puts his club in his bag looks at the old guy and says beat that anyway so the old guy gets up and he walks up okay and he pulls out a wedge Noah and Jesus look at him and go, a wedge. Now, if you know anything about wedges, wedges are used for about 60, any between 60 and 80 metre shots. What was that, a wedge? And he goes, and the ball goes straight up in the air. And they're like, look at that, man, look at that. <laughs> but as the ball goes straight up in the air, this big bird catches it. And it's claws. And it's like, and it's flying towards the hole. And as it gets about, I don't know, 150 metres away from the hole, it drops the ball and they're like, oh, look at that. And as it drops the ball, this raccoon runs out onto the golf course, <laughs> catches the ball, takes off with the ball, you know, and it's running towards the hole. And as it gets to the hole, he just lets the ball go and the ball runs up to the green and it just falls just short of the hole. And as it's sitting there on the lip of the hole and they're all looking at it, this worm pops up <laughs> and goes... And headbutts him into the hole. And Noah looks at Jesus and says, Man, I hate it when your old man plays. <laughs> so, all right, so we're going to talk about relating golf to sharing our faith. Because if you've played golf, you need to know what club to play in the right place there's not much point turning up to the green and pulling out your putter and trying to hit it off the the tee because it's not designed to do that now you can do that but it's not designed that's not where you use your putter you get in the long grass and you're trying to get the ball out with a driver you might break the driver because the club will get stuck in the grass so this is a lot like reaching out to people you need to know where you are on the fairway you need to know what club to use at the appropriate time okay so in your notes, when we start a game of golf, when we start a game of golf, we need to start where the ball is. Not where we want it to be. And we are to apply the same approach when we start the process of evangelism. So when we start a game of golf, we need to start where the ball is, not where we want it to be, and we are to apply the same approach when we start the process of evangelism. So imagine hole number four is a 475 metre par five. 
which clubs will we use? Okay, so position the ball. And I've lost you already. Just follow your notes. Okay, so you've got position of the ball in your notes, eh? Ball at the T. T-E-E. -E. Not a cup of tea. <laughs> cup of tea is nice, but no, we're not talking about that tea. It's a T-E-E. -E. <laughs> High tea and scones. Uh, it's on the 19th. <laughs> Okay, let's go. Gee, this is going to be an interesting night, eh? The club used is a driver, okay, because you've got a 475-metre par 5. You want to use the first club as your number one Callaway driver. Okay, and our response, so this is, this is again, this is in golf, and now we, what does it look like? It's kindness and serving. So in evangelism, the first part we start in this process is kindness and serving. Okay, now the second one, the ball is now in the fairway. We've teed off. It was a good tee off shot. We're not in the woods. We're not looking for our ball. We know exactly where the ball went. That's right. It's not, it's not, it's, that's right. It's not Rodney playing. I played with Rodney. It's a long game. <laughs> it's a good game. We talk a lot. <laughs> the average golf course is about 4.8k. With Rodney, it's about nine. But anyway, he's awesome. <laughs> so the ball is in the fairway. The club uses a long iron. Okay. And our response from evangelism is genuine friendship. Genuine friendship. <laughs> now, once again, that does not mean that Christ will not use you to speak to a stranger. Okay? He will use you however and whenever he desires. So don't think, oh, I you know, don't actually know that person, so I'll never go speak to them. But we're talking as a, as a process over time. Yep. Okay, so the position of the ball. Now the ball is approaching the green. So we're roughly maybe anywhere between 20 and to 90 metres out here from the green. And you might be using a sand wedge or a pitching wedge depending on how strong you are and how well you can hit the ball and how close the ball is. So that's a wedge. Club used is a wedge. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you can pull out a sandwich, pull out a banana, pull out a morrow. I take those when I play golf for energy, but I don't hit the ball with them. But anyway, <laughs> now you eat those, Sandra. <laughs> a sandwich, a sandwich. Imagine that. Can you pass the sandwich, please, James? <laughs> They're at the US Open. Can you pass me my sandwich, please? <laughs> Okay, uh, I didn't hear that, but anyway, our response, okay, is wondering questions, wondering, W-O-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, wondering questions, and effective listening, E, they go hand in hand, those. It's not much point asking a good question if you're not 
listening. You know you can do that, eh? See, this is what happens when you just have a very uh, mechanical way of reaching people. Okay, you've got it like one, two, three. So you're actually not even listening to their response because you're so paranoid about getting step three down that you're like, okay, okay, okay here we go, here we go. And they don't even answer the question that you've just asked. You're like, and then you sport out and they're like, what? And you look like an idiot. Because we have to be free from the mechanics of this thing. We have to be led by the Spirit. And so we ask wondering questions and then we listen, active listening or effective listening. And the last now is the ball is on the green. So we've made it to the green. We may even be putting for a birdie. Who can tell me what a birdie is, ladies? Oh, yeah, Kirsten. There you go. Who thought it was something that flapped around on the boat? Oh, look, that's a nice birdie. Look at that birdie. Okay, who can tell me what a bogey is? In golf. In the golf. Hey? No. Uh, you're right. It's a one over par. One, one over. And double bogey is two over. Wow, that's just... All right. Rodney. Rodney. Great discipleship, Rodney. <laughs> you're the man. Okay. So the club used is a putter. Okay, when we're on the green, we are not pulling out a wedge. You will attract the other golfers around you and the greenkeeper and everyone that has a membership if you use a wedge on the green. <laughs> they get a little bit upset. Okay, so use a putter. And our response is sheer testimony. Okay, share testimony and me the message of Christ with gentleness and respect. So there's a process that's happening here. Okay, so we, we start as a whole. If we're, st if we're starting a game of golf, you start at the right place. You start at the T, okay? So you put your ball down, once again, just for this example, because there are par threes where you wouldn't use a driver, you'd use a, a long line or a mid iron. But this is a 475 metre, so you're starting with the driver. So we're going to start with kindness and serving people. It goes a long way. So with a driver, you hit the ball, it goes a long way down the fairway. Kindness and serving goes a long way in, evang in this evangelism process of drawing people closer to God. Okay? Genuine friendship. Do we have friends that don't know Christ? This can be a challenge. This can be a challenge for myself because of the job that I'm in. It was actually easier to have friends when I was working outside of here because you're constantly coming to contact with people. Constantly, I was, you know, where I was working and also with what I was doing, I was constantly in the face of people. Where in this environment, I'm constantly in the face of you guys. That's a good thing. What are you laughing at? <laughs> and so I have to actually work even harder at connecting and building relationships because the connection aren't maybe as natural as what it can be. So sometimes people say, you, you know, oh, I want to get into what my role. I say, I want to get into your role because that's where the people are. 
And so I have an amazing friendship with my buddy Tim, and we've been mates since 17. And we've continued to be mates, you know. We have, I have an active friendship with him. And it's, more ju- it's not just about trying to get him across the line. It's taking a genuine interest in his life and his wife with his children, you know, because it's about a genuine friendship. I don't see him as a project. I don't see him as a problem. I see him as a friend. And so we have this genuine friendship. Then there's these wondering questions and effective listing. And Tim and I have dialogued a lot over the years. Ask him questions. I ask him these questions that open up his heart. And then I listen. And, you know, we're, we're in an interesting position where he is in his own journey of truth of just thinking, you know, I just don't understand how there's only one way. So his obstacle is there must be more roads, there must be more ways to God than just Jesus. And I can't change his mindset. I can ask questions and listen and then ask another question and listen. But I can't do the work of change. It's not my job to change that mindset. It's Jesus's. So I then pray because I want to see my friend come to know Christ. And then I'm constantly asking him to things that I think the Spirit would have me ask him and lead him. You know, so he's, he's been to Ian. In fact, he, him and his wife came over when Ian was at our place and they had a private sitting with Ian. And we had dinner with them, didn't we, Danny? And Ian was there and he just shared a story to, to him and his wife. And that was awesome and it was a bit tense at times when Ian goes for the kill. <laughs> but it was cool and Tim really appreciated it. So it's about wondering questions. We're going to look at all these four things. And then sharing testimony and the message of Christ with gentleness and respect. And when I say testimony, so we're going to look at that. I don't just mean the day I committed my life. I mean the testifying to the work of transformation in my life. People want to see a living work. They want to see a living hope. They don't want someone that talks about hope. They want to see a living hope. You're a person of hope. You're a person of faith. You're a person of the promise. I can see it. I can hear it. Yeah. And then there's obviously the work of what Jesus has done, and these two things are heavily linked, which then creates the testimony, the ongoing testimony. So it's about what Jesus accomplished at the cross. The life of transformation is found there. Everything that he accomplished that is finished is found at the cross, if that makes sense. So there's a lot to discover of what was done at the cross, which then gives us ongoing testimonies of transformation. I used to struggle with that. I no longer struggle with that. I knew you before you used to have an issue about that. I don't see that anymore. Why? Let me tell you who changed me. Yeah? That comes from the message of Christ. But we do it with gentleness and respect because we understand what we're carrying. We understand what we're handling. We understand that people who don't know Christ have a veil over their eyes, their heart. And so they, that's why they don't connect because there's a veil and Jesus must remove the veil through his power. So knowing that, that's why kindness and serving them speaks to them. All right, so the ball at the tee, the driver, kindness, and serving. So it's just in that, but that's number one, so we'll just unpack a little bit. Number one, ball at the tee, driver, 
kindness and serving. Now, once again, just, just above that, I've just put that, but we have to know where we are on the golf course and use the correct club for the position we are in. It is no different in drawing people closer to God. Okay, so if we happen to come across someone, my little golf analogy, okay, and we're, this person's on the green, okay, you don't pull out the driver because the father's saying, no, they're on the green, son, you need to pull out your putter. So you don't go, oh, no, no, we've got to start at number one. How do I serve? How do I serve? I've got to say, no, 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 they're already there. Someone's done that. Someone's brought them along. My spirit's bringing them along. They're on the green. So all we need to do now is knock the ball in the hole. You tracking with me? So we need to know that's why the power being led by the spirit of God, where a person is at on the golf course. So then we can pull out the appropriate, oh, actually, I need a wandering Christian right now. And I need to listen to where they're at. Because they're not at the T, they're further down. Okay? All right, so just under that bit, just like the driver hits the ball the furthest, just like the driver hits the ball the furthest down the fairway in a game of golf, kindness and serving have the same impact in the process of drawing people closer to God. And these can just be random acts of kindness or they can be something you do all the time. You might decide you're going to mow your neighbor's lawn every week for them because for whatever reason they may have broken their ankle, they may be elderly, they might not have a lawnmower. Or it could just be random acts as the Spirit leads. I remember when we gave out $10 at Shell Garages here, and we gave out $5,000 over a weekend. It was so cool. It was so cool being part of those teams that were just like, I say to people, hey, has anyone ever paid for your petrol? And they're like, no. It's funny, ain't it? Look at you like, what's the catch? And I said, there's no catch. Has anyone ever paid for it? I want to give you $10 for your petrol. It's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, there you go. And then some of the language I won't say because it was pretty fruity, but it was pretty cool. And so I get to engage in this random act of kindness over a weekend. And there were so many people. And what was interesting is I heard back from other people is some people actually didn't receive. They couldn't receive. You know, one guy got a little bit angry with me. He said, I don't need your charity, mate. I said, it's not my charity. I'm just trying to be a, trying to serve and just be kind. So not everyone we actually try and serve receives because man, women can struggle to receive free things, can't we? Got to earn it. <laughs> not always. So this kindness and serving, it can be ongoing, it can be one-off stuff. Small things, and you know, small things done with great love. Small things done with great love have a profound impact, a profound impact, P-R-O-F-O-U-N-D, on not only the one receiving, but also on the one serving. Have you found that? 
It's amazing, eh, when you flow in this way, or even in a, in a gifting that's been given to bless others, you come alive. And so small things done with great love can have a profound impact on people, especially today. You smile at someone and it's like, wow, someone's smile because everyone's running at 100 miles an hour and missing everybody in the process. We're, 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 you know, we're throwing out all these cool things that used to happen 20, 30 years ago, like playing street cricket. It's like playing football with the neighbours. It's like, do we know our neighbours? You know, it's, it's like these things. Everyone's in their own little boxes. And so there's an opportunity to just be a servant and serve and be generous and find opportunities to serve people. It'll have a profound impact. It could just be, do you want to have lunch together today? Oh, oh, okay, yeah. No one's ever asked me that. So I believe there's multiple opportunities everywhere we go to, to make it an impact. All right, Acts 20.35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's back to our 2 Corinthians 5 scripture where Paul says, I'm controlled by the love of God. I no longer live. I no longer live for myself. So Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he gave his life, didn't he, as the ultimate act of kindness. And I love how it says that the kindness of God leads a person to repentance. So that's powerful. Okay, the second act, ball in the fairway, the long iron, is genuine friendship. Genuine friendship. Genuine friendship is about being interested in the whole person and not just their spiritual life or their eternal destination. Genuine friendship is about being interested in the whole person and not just their spiritual life or their eternal destination. Now that does not mean you have to be friends with everybody. Okay? It doesn't mean that everyone you're going to share with you have to be friends with. But what it does mean is that we're to have genuine friendships in our lives. We're to have people in our lives that don't know Christ that we're engaging with in a genuine way. Okay? But it doesn't mean that to reach out, I need to have those people to reach out. So I don't have any people to reach out, so I don't reach out because they're all strangers. But I would encourage you, if you don't have people in your life that don't know Christ, then I would encourage you to start praying into that and asking God to create opportunities for that and actively start looking and believing for relationships like that. Okay? And so I hope that encourages us because, you know, if we just see people as, and we've talked about this, tasks or projects, then that's how we approach them. And we really don't give a rip, which means we're not serving them. We're just coming with our agenda to make us feel good. And almost like, well, look what I accomplished today. And I've seen plenty of people abuse people in sharing with people. They just push 
right past what the person's saying because they're not interested and they've got this agenda. And it, most of it's built out of their own insecurities because they need to feel a sense of purpose. And you can see the person's body language is like, get out of my face, man. And the person's almost walking away and the person's chasing after them. And it just, just doesn't represent him well. So what we, what we didn't actually read is we're called to be ambassadors who represent the Father well. So we need to do this well because we're representing the Father. He's so gracious and loving, but I always go, do I want to represent my Father well or not? And I love what Ed Sheeran said. I thought this was such a classic words of wisdom. Oh, here we go. <laughs> My golf analogy, now we don't know who Ed Sheeran is. Okay, Ed Sheeran is an awesome English musician. He's got orange hair and an orange beard, and he sings a whole lot of cool songs. But anyway, sorry, he said this, and they're interviewing him, and he said, you know, he said, most of my fans will never get to meet me personally. Most of them will never meet me personally, but the ones that do, will probably only meet me once in their lifetime. And he said, so what's the impression that I want to leave them of who Ed Sheeran is? Oh, man. And I think, same with me. I may have one shot at meeting someone. You know, because you're on a plane, you're going somewhere, you're somewhere. You're never going to see this person, you've got one shot and the Spirit's leading it. What? In the way, if God's asked me to reach out, do I want it, the impression that I want to leave with that person about my father in Christianity? Do I want to repel them or do I want to attract them? And so it's, thanks Ed, it was some cool things. Okay, number three, the ball approaching the green, we're using a short iron which is wondering questions and effective listening. Wondering, W-O-N-D, E-R-I-N-G, questions, and effective listening. And effective is the same as active, but okay. Wondering questions are just that. They start a conversation, so in your notes, a wondering question. They start a conversation that creates the opportunity for a discussion. They start a conversation that creates the opportunity for a discussion that has the potential to draw people closer to God. Okay, so I'll read it. Wondering questions are just that. They start a conversation that creates the opportunity for a discussion that has the potential to draw people closer to God. So once again, remember that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to draw people closer to God. We're not trying to necessarily get them across the line. We're just asking questions that get them thinking, that open up and actually start to share what's in their hearts. Okay, so some of the examples of wondering questions, what prompted you to pursue your career in early childhood? Okay, what prompted you to pursue your career in the building industry? And so now you're asking a question, it's a wondering question, and the person starts to share what's in their heart. 
you start to hear passions. You start to hear who the person is. You'll hear things as they start to share. And from that, you can ask more questions. Okay. So once again, this is just a generalized question in relation to someone's career. And all of a sudden, over 10 minutes, you can know a whole lot about that person. Okay. Other question, who has influenced your life the most so far? That'll tell you a lot. Someone says, um, Donald Trump. I was thinking of the New Zealand Prime Minister, actually. John, the ex-one, John Key. Oh, do you know John Key? Yeah, yeah, I work for John Key. Whoa. So what, you know, how long have you been working for John Key? And you're away. Okay? So these questions just start revealing what's, what's in a person, reveals their passions, their interests, why they think the way they think. Um, how is your relationship with Lisa or Steve going? Okay, just two names, <laughs> just out there. <laughs> well, you never know these days, okay? We have to be adaptable because you never know who you're running into. How passionate are you about what you do for a living? What do you find the most difficult pill to swallow concerning belief in God? What is your belief in how we were created? Why not? What if you're, what if you're on the green? So you wouldn't ask that question right at the start. Unless the person was on the green. So once again, you may encounter them on the green. You may just be before the green where God wants you to ask that question. So God's saying, will you be obedient to what I ask you to do, not what you want to do? But if we're starting from here, yeah, it's not necessarily the question to ask. But be surprised. Don't, don't be afraid to go there with people. Don't be afraid. Don't put your perspective on someone else. We do it all the time. We don't do it. Because you might miss something. Someone's going, wish someone would ask me that question. No one's ever asked me that question. Yeah? So don't put your perspective on someone else. But yes, it is a question that causes a sense of, oh, now we're getting a bit more serious than why are you passionate about what you do? So we're now starting to hone in on some things, yeah? So wondering questions in your notes work in four ways. To open people's hearts. Wondering questions work in four ways to open people's hearts. Most people love talking about themselves. What they're passionate about, all those sorts of things. Okay, number one, they are non-threatening. Two, they communicate humility. I love this. They allow people to discover truth for themselves. They cause people to start asking their own questions. Do 
you were to say to someone, why are you passionate about what you do? And they go, I'm not. They're actually starting to discover, maybe why am I in this job when I'm not passionate about it? See? And so that's just, once again, not, not so much in a spiritual leading to, into Christ, but just the power of these questions. And then people start asking questions of themselves. Self-revelation is the greatest way of getting truth into people, whether that's the Bible or not, isn't it? It's like when God reveals something to you personally, that's the goal. That he becomes our teacher. So these questions do those. They're non-threatening. They, 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 they communicate humility. They allow people to discover truth themselves. They cause people to start asking their own questions. See, the question that um, Anne brought up is not threatening if you've walked through the process with gentleness and respect. So the timing of it when you ask it won't be non-threatening if you're asking it in the right time because of the process. If it's the first thing you come out with and you're just meeting someone, then it becomes like, well, man, you're pretty full on. But if the Spirit asks you to ask it, then ask it. Because you don't know what's been happening, do we? All right, cool. All right, just under that, effective listening is an essential ingredient. Effective listening is an essential ingredient without which all ministry is powerless. Effective listening is an essential ingredient without which all ministry really is powerless in this area of reaching out. People can tell you key things, and if you're not listening for them, because once again you're thinking about your very mechanical process, you'll miss the keys, you'll miss the bits to jump on. Spirit will be bringing them to light, but you're not listening for them. You know, it's like, Hearing what's really being said, not what's being said. That makes sense? So you're actually hearing for the root. You're hearing for not necessarily even the words that are being said. Because people think this is the problem, and it's not the problem. It's the outcome of the problem. And so you're hearing what is, what, what's really being said. I need to listen. Spirit, give me ears to hear what's really being communicated. Okay. So what we're going to do is actually do a little bit of a group activity. Okay? So break up just into groups of two. All right? So just groups of two. Take five minutes. Listen to the instructions so we know what we're doing. Okay? Five minutes per person to ask the following question. If you could be paid for doing what you love, what would it be? If you could be paid for doing what you love, what would it be? If you could be anything, another way, if you could be anything you wanted to be and money wasn't an issue, what would you be? What would you find yourself doing? Okay. As the person answers, be actively listening and ask another question or two from the answers they give. The purpose of the activity is to discover what lies in the heart of the person. Okay. So that's just a baseline question to get us all going. Okay. And then be listening and just ask another question, a wondering question. Try to avoid yes and no questions, okay, because that just sort of closes the conversation down. All right? So just get into pairs of two and then use that as a baseline. 
and it's five minutes per five minutes per person, and then we'll come back and we'll finish the last one. How um how did we find that? Was that easy? Was it was it hard? Did it feel weird? Did it feel okay? Thoughts. You found a new friend. Oh, that's lovely, eh? Oh, here, well, here's a challenge. Do you want to come and share what you found out about your friend? My new friend's name is Trina. I honestly have not met Trina before, if anyone's surprised. So, she's great. Um... And we were just, yeah, we were just really sharing about um, her journey and how she's um, been at, at one point called away from, from New Zealand and her church family and um, the challenge in that and laying that down and then coming back and also allowing God to stir in here um, what he wants to do in the new season. Um, and also just, yeah, sharing about a lot, a lot about music actually in childhood because it's something that we, we found that we had in common which was awesome and just, um, yeah, we were both just recently just sharing about how um, being connected with God and and singing out of that, whether we can sing or not, it doesn't matter because it's the heart behind what, what we're doing and what we're saying and the Lord will use that and edify us through, through that. So it was awesome. I'm looking forward to talking to her some more because we only had five minutes. <laughs> I think that was. I reckon the spirit just set that up, eh? Hey? You know, I mean that. That's what we're talking about. Like someone's never met anybody, and within a short space of time, knows more about Trina now than what she did before. You know, and so these questions can start to very quickly find out things about people, which is the power of the question. So, you know, like if we can get really good at this, because it is about you know, like we talk about upskilling in other areas, you know, play the guitar better, get a better singing, all that. But what about this area of reaching out and getting more skilled in asking these questions? When the when the heat goes on, not freezing, like, you know, actually because you've practiced, you just step in. It just becomes the norm rather than, oh, oh, I don't know, oh, oh. and then the moment's gone. You know, it's like, should I ask, should I not, should I ask, should I not, and then, oh just left so I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to also practice these things might be weird but look in the mirror and practice on yourself why am I so passionate about living for Jesus okay the last one number four we're on the green and we're about to take the putter out and drop the putt the birdie putt to win the US Open with our sandwich <laughs> and the scones and the tea that's right okay in the notes it's share testimony and message of Christ so share testimony and message of Christ with gentleness and respect share testimony and message of Christ with gentleness and respect. As I've said, the testimony is the sharing with people the transformational life that Jesus is doing in and through you. Okay, so it 
it, it may be, these were the intertwined, so it could be the, underneath it says the message of Christ, what Jesus did, that we may all experience this life. Okay, so we've come to Christ through Christ dying, being rose again. We've asked him to forgive us of our sin, and then this power has come, and we're born again, born of a new life. From that new life, we are to have testimonies of the new life, because there's a new life to come into there's an eternal life to come into and to live from yeah so these things are interlinked but you can also see them as separate so when we share with people it should be the, about the transformation so you can share that this is you know i'm i no longer struggle with was let's say worry if you're a person that worries a lot okay i no longer struggle or the struggle has become less because of the life the work of the gospel that Jesus is doing in me. That's powerful. People, people need to see, like I said, a living hope. Not just, let me tell you the words of the gospel. They want to see an actual realization of the gospel. They want to see the manifestation of the gospel. They want to see a changed person, a person that actually was this and is now this, or is on that journey of that. Yeah? And so it could be I used to struggle with my mind and no longer why? Because his mind, my mind's being renewed through the gospel, through what Jesus accomplished. Okay? So they're two things, but they're wrapped in one. Our lives are to be the testimony of the words we speak. Our very lives are to be the testimony of the words we speak. You know, some people say, well, I just live it. That's right on. But there's some things you can't actually live. Like, how do you sort of live this crucified sort of thing where you've got to actually share with people what he did? Okay? So it's both. Some people are all about the words, but they don't live any of it. So it's both. See, but once again, it's a sequencing pattern. It's the work of the cross and the continuous work of the cross, not the words of the cross, the work of the cross, perform a work in me, which means I've got testimonies to share. Never knew love, now I know love. Had a broken heart, got a healed heart. Can love unconditionally, never was able to do that. Forgave my father, never able to do that. Forgave my mother, was never able to do that. Had a root of bitterness, got ripped out. You meet someone with bitterness, you can really help them. Because why? Because you've been there, you have a reference for bitterness and how destructive and destroying it can be. And the testimony is, Jesus rescued me from bitterness. It's powerful. It's a living testimony, not by the letter of the law, but by the letter of the Spirit. So we are to be the testimony of the words we speak. When the work, in the notes, not the words of the gospel, become our reality when the work not the words or not so much the words of the gospel becomes our reality the position we share from is one of power change and authenticity so when the work not so much the words of the gospel becomes our reality. The position we share from is one of power, change, and authenticity. 
Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because in it, it's made me right. So he knew. He had a reference point. We overcome by the what? Blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. What's the last part? that? And not loving our lives. Now once again, this is, a, this is a process. You actually really don't have a word of testimony unless you have the blood of the Lamb. Very hard to not worry about your life if you're not living and drinking the blood of the Lamb. So once again, these things sound nice and we can spout them and quote them and, you know, but actually it's to be our reality. So what is in the blood that creates ongoing testimonies that you would no longer be worried about your life? See the, the reality of it? So what is in blood? Well, life is in the blood. Everything is in the blood. Hence blood had to be spilt at Calvary. And that blood was spilt for you and I that we would come into that blood. He said, drink my blood, didn't he? Eat my flesh. Why? So you have testimonies of what? Transformation. I was this. I'm now this. I'm on this journey. I'm becoming the message. I am the signpost that everyone looks to. I'm a letter. That's what Paul was saying. The church is saying, you're to be a letter not of the law of words, but of the word. So when people see, I'm hearing about your faith, that's action. So I'm encouraged to be with you. And so you have these testimonies that lead you to not loving your lives. Well, that goes back to what he was saying when he said, I'm controlled by love. It's this huge circular motion that just goes round and round and round, and we get more mature and more mature. Okay? So I'm just going to read you this passage, which I think is so cool. Mark 1, 40 to 45. And if you think of a man that's been affected by the blood, the word, and is not loving his life, it's this man. And many people were changed by Jesus, but there's a man, he's a leper, came to Jesus. This is in Mark 1, 40. And a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion. What was our first thing? Kindness, wasn't it? Serving kindness. Moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly, this is Jesus, Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said, see that you say nothing to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. See, that's the work of the gospel. So here's a man who's a leper. And he says, you're, if you're willing, would you reach out? And he says, I'm willing. I'm love. I am have compassion. And he touches him and he's healed. 
the gospel just invades the man's world. And Jesus says to him, hey, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I love this. Go and show yourself. It's all part of the law and stuff. Go and show yourself so they'll know who I am. And he goes, no, I don't know whether he did or not. But it says he couldn't shut up. And I don't know whether it's right to say that it was a direct thing of disobedience or not. I don't know. But he has to tell everybody why. Because the gospel has impacted his life. He's got a living testimony. It's powerful when the work of the gospel hits your life. And it becomes contagious. And the thing that was in Christ is now in us. And you want to share. Man, I was this. Now, who is it? This guy, Jesus. This guy, Jesus. You need to know about this guy, Jesus. He brings life. It's just an example. And, you know, he was healed of leprosy. It doesn't say maybe what happened to him. Who knows? But there's ongoing work, isn't there? It's an ongoing work of transformation through the testimony. So the last thing, in other words, the messenger becomes the message. The messenger becomes the message. So often it's just, God, what am I going to do for you? Become like me. No, 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 you misunderstood the question, God. Um, what am I going to do for you? He says, yeah, become like me. So the messenger actually is the message. And then the messenger speaks. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? So if you become the message and you speak from that place, that is way more power than not being the message and just speaking. One has authority and power. The other one's just reciting words of something he was told. One has an authentic, true testimony of change. And when that gets released, because that's the power, that's what's imparted, the receiver knows it's true. They may not understand it in their heads, but they can't deny what's coming out. That's the power that draws a person. Yeah, man, I knew you. I knew you and when you were like that. What happened? I met Christ. That's funny, eh? I met some people from my past. And what do you do now? Oh, here we go. <laughs> and they look at you like, you what? You. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got me too. <laughs> How I know it's real. Because you know who you were. And you know your thoughts and you knew what you're up to and you knew your life and you knew the day that the gospel came and wellied you and sent you on a whole different direction. Wellied you. It's an English saying. No, it's not a golf term. <laughs> Luke's laughing. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. Yeah. So when we become the message, then what we say has a way more power because it's living, it's active, it's in us. People see it, comes out of us. doesn't mean that while that's happening, we share what Jesus did. Okay? It's not one or the other, it's both and more. But as we're on this journey of becoming perfect, like our Heavenly Father's perfect, then it doesn't matter what it is, just being it and walking in a room can actually have people. I had a guy once at the gym say to me, and I messed this up big time, but he came up to me at the gym. 
He said, bro, you got light coming out of your eyes. <laughs> and it caught me off guard. I'm doing triceps, you know, I'm like. <laughs> I'm not even going to Bro, man, you got light coming out of your eyes. And I said, oh, that's Jesus in me. And he went. Hmm. Maybe that wasn't the thing to say, Lord. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It caught me off guard. It's not that that happens regularly at the gym. But so as we just, as we become, we can have an impact. People aren't even aware of it. You don't even know Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Christ is being formed, as we're eating and drinking, the presence of God we're carrying. And it just manifests at times. Okay. So maybe let's just take, we've got about maybe 10, 15 minutes. And there's just, out of the questions, so just at your tables, out of those four things, uh, the question is this, what out of the four areas of your life do you believe you are strong in? And what are the four areas of your life do you believe you need to work on? So those four things of, are you good at serving people? Are you good at, uh, genuine friendship? Are you good at wondering questions? Are you good at sharing testimony? So out of those four things, what, what would you say some of your strengths are and what are some of the areas you need to work on? You might say, I need to work on actually learning how to ask good questions. And then just a little action plan is what is one thing you can do this week to serve someone else? So have a pray, seek Holy Spirit, and just ask him for opportunities in which you can serve, serve someone. Because as we said, at the starting point, that hits the ball down the track. So about 10 minutes, 15 minutes doing that, and then we'll call it a night. Awesome. Thanks, guys.